Welcome to the CEC report for the 25th of October 2019. I'm Elisa Barwick. Joining me today is CEC leader Craig Sherwood. Welcome, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Elisa. And today, the farce of Australian democracy. Morrison rams cash ban through House of Reps, but we must be a brick wall in the Senate. And Assange versus the superpower. Whose side is your MP on? So, firstly today, Morrison rams cash ban through House of Reps, but we must be a brick wall in the Senate. So, very big news broke mm. yesterday, Craig. Surprisingly, uh, yeah, it was. Very surprising in that the House of Representatives debated and voted up the cash ban bill, which will restrict uh, transactions over $10,000, um, albeit there are some exemptions in a regulation that can be changed by the Minister at a moment's notice, so that is with no real protection whatsoever. Mm. Um, but of course, given that there was, or there is a Senate inquiry underway in the Senate Economics Committee, uh, yeah, we were surprised, other people were surprised that this was pushed through the House of Representatives uh, in what seems to be a desperate act to get this underway on behalf of the government. Now, the Labor Party voted for it as well, and their reasoning, as Stephen Jones put it, was that they're voting it up to ensure its swift passage into the Senate so that the real concerns and issues can be fully investigated in the Senate. Um, However, that being said, I mean, it was a procedural uh, tactic on their part to push it into the Senate because they don't have the numbers in the House to stop it anyway. However, they should have put up a fight. Mm, they actually definitely. should have voted against it um, because the Labor Party is always doing this. Oh, we'll let things go through. We'll amend it later. Uh, and, you know, at least putting up a fight can uh, instill the sense in other people that this can be defeated then in the Senate and that establishes a precedent for that. So uh, the Labor Party was, was lacking here, but we have to hold them to account in the Senate now because they have expressed their concerns. They are the ones that did in the end push for the Senate inquiry. Now the real opposition, however, came from uh, the four, the only four of the House of Reps members that voted against the bill, which were Bob Catter, Rebecca Sharkey from Centre Alliance, Andrew Wilkie and the Greens member Adam Bant. Mm. And what you can see from their speeches, and I'll, we've just put together three short clips from those speeches, is that we made a huge impact on these MPs because they all cited, as you'll see here, the fact that they were inundated uh, from their constituencies. Uh, there has been a lot of concern within the community about the impact of this bill. There wouldn't be a member in this House who hasn't received representations uh, from constituents in relation to it. While Centre Alliance will revert, uh, reserve its position in the Senate until the Senate inquiry into the bill concludes, on the basis of the information currently available and the level of concern, very real concern in my community, particularly from older members of my community, about this bill, knowing that I am truly representing a regional and rural community where the banks have left us, I cannot support this bill in the House. Look, I'll start by acknowledging that uh, I've been approached by uh, quite a lot of people in the community, not just constituents, but in fact right around Australia, who have expressed a broad range of concerns with this bill, uh, so much so that uh, I won't be supporting it. The sorts of concerns that have been raised by constituents, everything from uh, concern that it's designed to push people into the clutches of the banks so they have to engage in the banking system, uh, concerns that uh, it's, it's a fundamental right 
sorry, it's an attack on people's fundamental right to use cash. Uh, also, a, a, an interesting line of argument, which I think has some merit, that if Australia does eventually reach negative interest rates, uh, cash will assume a, a new importance. But this bill would diminish the ability of people to use cash. So the objections he's raised here are our objections, trapping people into negative interest rates and so forth. And it's interesting, you know, Wilkie shifted his position because earlier on he had expressed scepticism that this law was, you know, of any concern. And he even said it had drawn out the conspiracy theorists. Yeah. So this is important. Well, one of the comments I'd like to make at this stage, at least, is that this is exactly the, the, the tactics the Morrison government is using is exactly what was done in 2018, February of 2018, when they rammed through the bail-in law. Now, what that was is a law that gave APRA the power to literally change regulations so that if banks get into trouble, they can take people's deposits. Mm. Now, we uh, had drafted a, an amendment that, uh, to that law to exclude deposits, but the government rammed through the law without even allowing that uh, amendment to be discussed as well. So, look, the, the, the government is showing its contempt for the people by pushing through laws that are intending to protect the banks first and foremost. And everyone knows what the Royal Commission was like. It was a complete farce. This is the face of the Morrison government. Mm. And dare I say it, this is the sort of fascist-type laws that you can expect more and more of this government as we get more and further down the, the uh, you know, facing the global financial crisis that is governing every single thing that's happening today. Remember, this idea of pushing this cash ban bill has been mandated pretty much by the IMF, mm. International Monetary Fund, and... That is to, in order to be able to make sure that when we do go to in negative interest rates, which is what everyone's talking about, that cash cannot be used as an alternative. Mm -hmm. If you've got cash, people are going to pull their cash out of the bank because they don't want to keep it in the bank and pay the bank for the privilege of having their money in there. They'll use cash. So the, the cash has to be restricted by IMF dictates, and that's exactly what the, the Bankers' Party of the Morrison government's doing. Yeah, and forcing people to... to be in the banking system yeah, without any alternative no um, so that your money can be bailed in at the point of crisis. Mm. So we have to take a quick break, but we want to come back and show a bit more of what Wilkie had to say during this debate on the cash ban. Welcome back to the CEC report where we're discussing that the Morrison government passed the cash ban through the lower house of parliament yesterday. And, uh, of course, we have said <clears throat> all along that this was not about cleaning up the black economy or tax evasion, which was the government's claim. Uh, and as we've just pointed to, it's actually about trapping people into the banking system. Now, what was very interesting in uh, Wilkie's speech is that he went after the same pretense that this was about cleaning up the black economy. Of course, he's someone who's been very outspoken on uh, gambling and um, money laundering and so forth within Crown Casino and other entities. Uh, so I want to play some of his uh, speech and what he had to say. This is the first clip. Deputy Speaker, I, I would add to these uh, the concerns. Uh, what is perhaps the biggest concern to me personally, and that it's simply not necessary. Uh, it's theatre by a government that is trying to be seen to be doing something about the issue of money laundering um, by introducing into this place uh, a bill to do something which we just don't need. Because at the moment, uh, as all members would know, uh, there's already a requirement to report transactions over $10,000.
So that and uh, the other laws of the land, for example, the uh, Anti-Money Laundering and Counter-Terrorism Financing Act of 2006, uh, the Financial Transaction Reports Act 1988, the Anti-Money Laundering and Counter-Terrorism Financing Rules Instrument 2007 number 1, and the Financial Transaction Reports Regulations of 1990. In other words, we have an abundance of laws to do with money laundering in the black economy. Deputy Speaker, the problem is those laws are not being implemented and enforced. That's the problem. That's what the government and the opposition should be focusing on, is the weak governance we have in this country and the weak enforcement and regulatory framework we have in this country. That's the reason the black economy uh, uh, exists. Uh, that's the reason money laundering occurs. So then Wilkie went on to describe how he was approached by whistleblowers last week from the Victorian Commission for Gambling and Liquor Regulation and they came to him with video evidence, indisputable evidence of money laundering in the private gaming rooms of Crown Casino. So we're talking video footage of people with bags, uh, LD freezer bags containing three, approximately $3 million. And after that evidence was, you know, um, Wilkie put out that evidence and he called for a royal commission, which was um, kiboshed, he said, you know, you would have thought that Austrac and other authorities would have come to me and asked for the evidence, asked for the names and the details of those whistleblowers who are coming from within the regulatory agencies. They're having to actually break ranks because they know the regulators are not doing their job. But he said there was complete silence. He was not approached by anyone. And he said you can only conclude that these authorities have no interest whatsoever in actually cleaning up that black economy. Now, we'll continue with the next clip from Wilkie. Just last week, just last week, in response to the, the remarkable video evidence of uh, money laundering at Crown Casino and other evidence that I released last week from a driver uh, who was uh, picking up these uh, people from these black flights at Tullamarine private jet base, uh, I sought to move a motion in this place to establish a Royal Commission. What happened? Voted down again. What, what does the government and what does the opposition have to hide, Deputy Speaker? Because if they've got nothing to hide, they would have no objection to a parliamentary inquiry. They'd have no objection to a Royal Commission. And a Royal Commission it needs to be. It's no good having this this unnecessary bill today where we're going to make cash transactions over $10,000 illegal, there's no point doing things like that when we have much bigger and much deeper problems. What does the government and the opposition have to hide? Is it the amount of political donations you get from, uh, from people like Crown Casino who are deeply corrupt? Is it to protect your mates like uh, Conroy, Coonan, Batar? Who, uh, who are now associated with Crown Casino. What's going on here? If you've got nothing to hide, you should have supported the parliamentary inquiry and you should have supported the move for a royal commission. Deputy Speaker, I'm talking a lot about Crown Casino here to do with this cash bill, but I think it's the best example I can find to illustrate the fact that the problem in this country is not a lack of regulation when it comes to uh, misconduct and money laundering in particular. It's the fact that our, uh, our politicians are not doing their job. Our enforcement agencies are not doing their job. Our regulatory bodies are not doing their job. 
If we want to do something to improve this country and crack down on money laundering, then what we should be doing is having a proper inquiry into what's going on and making these, make these agencies do their job. I won't be supporting this bill. It is entirely unnecessary. It is an unhealthy distraction from the reality, which is that our problems are not an absence of money laundering uh, rules and regulations. The problem in this country is that we have weak governance, politicians who want to hide from the truth and from scrutiny, and just about every agency I can think of uh, that's re related to money laundering at the federal level and in Victoria at the state level, they're useless in the, when it comes to money laundering. In fact, by some estimates, less than 1 per cent of uh, money from crime is intercepted in this country. And no wonder when you can have an allegation like money laundering last week and Austrac have not even given me a call and asked for the name of the witnesses. So, Alisa, we have to stop this bill in its tracks. Now, what's happened so far for, for people who don't understand too much about the parliamentary process, yes, it's passed through the House of Representatives, but it's not law. It won't become law until it passes, if it passes through the Senate. Mm. So our job is to stop this thing in its tracks and create an absolute uproar amongst the Australian people in order to make sure that every single politician, every single senator and the parties know that they're playing with fire here. Mm. So that means that people need to continue, they need to make a, a, a submission to the parliamentary, to the Senate inquiry into uh, into the cash ban bill. Now that is due to report on the 15th of November and everyone should do it. Yeah. Now if they've already made a previous submission to the Treasury on this issue, they should do it now to this parliamentary commission. Yeah, so there's two that you would have had to have made. We asked people to make one to the Treasury previously, but now we're asking people to make one to the Senate Economics Legislation Committee. And that committee, they should demand that committee hold public hearings. Yes. All around the country. That, that they can do this, right? Yeah. They have the power to hold public hearings. That's what we should demand. Absolutely, and because there has to be debate. I mean, Scott Morrison just the other day was saying at the Lowy Institute that the highest authority is the people, the voters. Well, okay, you've just rammed it through the House of Representatives, Mr Morrison. Are you going to give this Senate inquiry adequate um, light of day to yeah. allow people's concerns, to allow experts to come and speak? Um, and this is what Wilkie's demanded, you know, a Royal Commission on really looking into the corruption well, if you're serious about cleaning up the black economy, that's what you should do. Yep. Well, so, Lisa, we've produced tens of thousands of these flyers. You know, fight the totalitarian ban on cash. Mm. People can call in and get some copies of this and get it around. It's a four-page colour flyer and it goes through the actual uh, so-called official reasons and then we debunk why this, the, these are lies. Mm. So it gives people the ammunition as to what what they can actually uh, you know, take to their MP, take mm. to other leaders in the community, create a stink. Yeah, we want to get more people than just our regular viewers on the CEC report getting involved. And another way that you can help with that is go to stopthecashban.com.au, which is a new web page which goes straight to our petition to stop the cash ban. So sign it yourself, but send the link out, circulate it, get other people to jump on that as well. And it really is up to the people watching this program and the other members of the Australian community, other citizens, to mobilise on this. This mm. can be stopped, yeah. but it requires people to act on it now to do something. Don't expect to sit back and... You know, don't, if you expect to sit back and do nothing, then yeah. this will pass. We need to inundate the members of parliament with a tsunami of outrage, and that's the only 
thing that will actually hit them, hit their consciousness. Yeah. Um, so we'll be back shortly to talk about uh, another aspect of the fascism coming down in Australia and that is the inaction on getting Assange home. Welcome back to the CEC Report, where we're now discussing Assange versus superpower. Whose side is your MP on? So on Monday, um, Julian Assange had a hearing uh, where he was requesting more time to prepare for the extradition proceedings that take place in February next year, uh, also uh, contesting the fact that his extradition, extradition is for political offences, which is not allowable under extradition treaties, uh, and presenting new evidence that the CIA uh, was spying on the Ecuadorian embassy when he was there, including his discussions with his lawyer, which should uh, really rule out these proceedings uh, in terms of the, you know, of justice. Um, now, these these um, demands by the Assange team were denied, mm -hmm. and I mean the prosecution was there consulting with five members of the US government through the proceedings and Judge Vanessa Beretza uh, just went along exactly with what the prosecution said and what the US government were demanding. Um, now Craig Murray, the former British ambassador to Uzbekistan, has an excellent article uh, which we can put up a link to which people should read. He was absolutely shocked. He was actually sceptical about the claims that Julian had been subjected to torture. Mm -hmm. he, um, this had been claimed to be made back in May by the UN Human Rights Rapporteur Nils Meltzer. And uh, yeah, Craig Murray, when he saw Assange in court, he said, I was no longer sceptical. And this is a guy who attended trials of victims of extreme torture in Uzbekistan when he was uh, the ambassador. So he said Assange had lost more than 15 kilos since his arrest. He struggled to articulate even in just saying his name and his date of birth. And when asked if he understood the proceedings, he answered in the negative. Um, he later pulled himself together a little bit. He said, I do not understand how this process is equitable. This superpower had 10 years to pre prepare for this case and I can't even access my writings. It is very difficult where I am to do anything. These people have unlimited resources. Uh, and what's been established, Craig, is a Bring Julian Assange Home parliamentary group by 11 MPs in the Australian Parliament. This was pulled together by, again, Andrew Wilkie, which is excellent. And it comprises uh, Steve Georgianis and Julian Hill from the ALP, George Christensen and Barnaby Joyce from the Nationals, Rex Patrick and Rebecca Sharkey from the Centre Alliance, Adam Bant, Richard Di Natale and Peter Wish-Wilson from the Greens, and Zali Stegel and Andrew Wilkie, who are independents. Mm. Um, this is very important opposition because, of course, uh, Julian is an Australian citizen. We should have been demanding him come home and protect him here um, because he's done nothing wrong under Australian law, as even Malcolm Turnbull has admitted in the past. Notice there's no Liberals in there. Yeah. Well, it's interesting the cross-section of people that are fighting things like the cash ban and bail-in and that are fighting this as well because it's all the same, same yeah. fascist police state from the top down. Um, and to show how that works, I want to play a clip from John Pilger on RT the other day because he expresses quite well um, how if we don't fight this, we're all going to be victim, whether we're citizens or journalists, to a police state. Um, so I'll, I'll roll the first, I'll roll both of these clips actually. 
This is an, this is an assault on journalism. But you know, it, more than that, it's an assault on citizenship because it can happen to anybody right across the world. It is saying that international law doesn't apply. Julian was an accredited um, beneficiary of the whole notion of, of, of asylum. The, the United Nations Working Party on uh, Arbitrary Detention made that absolutely clear. And it was clear in covenants to which Britain is a signatory. Now, if that can be torn up, if a, a regime as mired in, in murk and corruption as the Lenin Marino regime in Ecuador is today, can call in the police in any country to arrest asylum seekers, then think of all the historical examples. You know, they published something like 800,000 documents on Russia, documents from the Kremlin, documents that were used in, in, uh, in court cases in, in Russia. They published the same about China. Uh, but the United States and Britain, particularly the United States, has aroused the ire because what we're in the, the midst of at the moment is the world's great superpower struggling to maintain its dominance, its information dominance, its technological dominance, its cultural dominance. And WikiLeaks has presented an extraordinary hurdle to this. Julian Assange then has become enemy number one, but he should be, and I don't say this lightly, he should be hero number one. So, you know, this is how they're trying to make an example of this guy, um, which is horrific. And because um, he's in solitary confinement for 23 hours a day, Belmarsh Prison is, mm. you know, for the worst of the worst criminals. And he's obviously an A category prisoner where he's not allowed contact with other people. And they even clear the corridors when he goes out for his 45 minutes of exercise a day so that he doesn't have contact. Now, Lisa Johnson is a clinical psychologist in Sydney, and she wrote an article uh, in August about the impact of this, which you could see in the court proceedings on Monday. She said that the reduced stimulation of solitary confinement can cause decreased brain activity, which may become irreversible after just seven days. And she went on to talk about the concentration and memory impairments that can occur and damage to cognitive capacity. I mean, this is terrible. And she tweeted just in the last couple of days, democratic societies <clears throat> do not torture their journalists in jail, whether for exposing serious state corporate crime and corruption or for embarrassing powerful elites. I mean, here we are, a so-called democratic country. We accuse countries like China of being a dictatorial state and locking people up without trial. And we are, as Pilger put it, abridging the rule of law um, spitting on international law. Yeah, uh, look, Elise, this is absolutely striking. I mean, you think about um, you know what a police state actually is. This is exactly what what this this whole thing is feeding into, right? Mm. And it's got nothing. It's got everything to do with the same motivations that Morrison's dealing with the cash bill, as you said before. Exactly. People should not be fooled by 
Yep. The two, they're not they're the same thing. Yep, and I'll quote Wilkie again to conclude. If we want to guarantee every Australian the right to a fair trial and every journalist the right to report official misconduct, we must oppose this extradition and allow Assange to return to Australia. Mm -hmm. Call in for an alert service for more. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.